his preface to the English edition of Leisure, the Basis of Culture. 20th century German philosopher Josef Pieper wrote, quote, Culture depends for its very existence on leisure, and leisure in turn is not possible unless it has a durable and consequentially living link with the cultus, that is, with divine worship, close quote. You're listening to Wyoming Catholic College's weekly podcast, The Afterdinner Scholar, and I'm your host, Dr. Jim Tonkowicz. Germany in 1947 was in ruins. The Allied invasion had destroyed the Nazi regime and also destroyed buildings, homes, power plants, supply lines, and shattered the lives of the people. What could be done? Well, everything needed to be done, so get to work. National socialism, that is Nazism, focused on the worker, at least early on. Communism in the East defined all humans simply as workers. And even in what came to be West Germany, workers worked to rebuild. It was a world of what Joseph Pieper called total work. What you did defined you. In that cultural climate, Pieper wrote his extended essay about leisure, calling leisure, rather than work, the basis of culture. For this fall semester's all-school seminar, all of our students and all of our faculty read and discussed Pieper's leisure, basis of culture. I attended one of the seminars with philosopher Dr. Michael Boland, and following the lead of our seniors, and it's our seniors who lead these seminars, I asked Dr. Bolin what leisure isn't. What is leisure not? Well, I guess most basically, it is not idleness. There is the, the most basic distinction I think people wants us to see is that it's tempting to think there's work and there's not work. And then not work is leisure in some common sense where it doesn't matter what you're doing, maybe you're doing nothing, but you're not at work, so you're at leisure. And that he wants to reject and point out that rather maybe the better way to think about it would be there's leisure and there's not leisure. He points out the, some interesting etymological facts. In, in Latin, we have otium, which is leisure, and negotium, which is business. So the word for business is more or less not leisure. And that's more the way people wants us to think about it, that uh, leisure, leisure is the state that man is more made for. So we work in the sense of our job or daily things because we need to in order to survive. But what we're really meant for is some other kind of activity, not just for idleness. And so leisure is not idleness, it's a particular kind of activity. And I assume we'll get into that, but. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if, if that's what leisure isn't, what does Pieper tell us leisure is? And he kind of he triangulates around this more than telling us directly. That's true, yes. He sort of looks at it from different angles and says things about it, but doesn't, really give us the one clear definition, but the idea ultimately seems to be something like leisure is an attitude of the mind or a state of soul whereby we are receptive, he says, receptive to the whole of reality, seeing ourselves as a part of this cosmic order, our place in it, what we're meant for. <clears throat> um, and so it's, it's contemplative is what it is. Uh, he compares it to silence, stillness, although he says it doesn't just mean noiselessness in some literal auditory sense, but a kind of spiritual stillness. Um, in the, the scriptural sense, I suppose, 
be still and know that I am God, right? And that's what people wants us to do is uh, be open to understanding our place in the world and God's revelation in it. So it's that spiritual attitude that makes us open to seeing those things and seeing that man is more than just his day job. Well, okay, I know that you work hard as a teacher <laughs> uh, and as a scholar. Is paper, in a sense, arguing that you and culture would be better off if you, a philosopher, were simply freed to do nothing but sit and contemplate rather than having to do the work of teaching or something like that? <laughs> well, I'm tempted to say yes, but, <laughs> but I think that's not quite right. There, there's, there's something to be said there that is... I am very lucky to do what I do because, in fact, my day-to-day -day work is much more contemplative than many other activities would be. Um, but as any, any teacher can tell you, uh, grading a stack of 60 papers uh, is not the most leisurely thing in the world. And so I'm, I'm in the middle of it, I know. <laughs> there are all those aspects, and there's administrative work. So there's definitely the work work involved. But it's true in some sense that what I do in the classroom, I get to just... Uh, be there with students and talk about noble and important and great things, that, that is pretty leisurely. And so I guess to speak more directly to the question, the reason I wouldn't want to do it myself, just always be alone doing it, and why people wouldn't like that is that uh, one of the things we're going to see in observing ourselves and our place in reality is that the kind of thing that we are as human beings is a social animal. And so uh, our place in the world also involves our relationship to others. And so um, the good that I contemplate in my leisurely moments is something I want to share with other people. And so that's why in some ways doing it in the classroom is more leisurely than doing it in my office by myself. That's for us who are in academia and have somewhat contemplative work. What about the guy who runs a corporation or who, the, the plumber? Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I am tempted to say the person running the corporation has a hard time having much leisure. At least from my outside perspective, it sure looks that way. If from my observations, I think you're right. You're working an 80-hour week, week, week or something like that, and it's go, go, go all of the time. That, that's, that's hard. That's not, yeah, that's pretty antithetical to leisure. So um, uh, I'm, I'm inclined to say the plumber has it better, is better off in that respect. Um, I mean, there, I guess there are certain kinds of manual labor that uh, even though their labor are kind of naturally open to a contemplative spirit, I, I, um, some aspects, uh, maybe the plumber sometimes, maybe not in the thick of it, <laughs> uh, but sometimes uh, like a carpenter doing woodworking. Woodworking can be a pretty leisurely activity, which is why some, some people use it as a hobby in that regard. So I wouldn't, I do want to say manual labor is not intrinsically opposed to leisure in people's sense. In some ways it might uh, open us up to it. At the same time, there are definitely times when uh, your sink is overflowing and <laughs> you want to fix it as soon as possible. You're not contemplating the universe and your place in it. <laughs> uh, and the right? goodness so, of water. <laughs> yes, right. So uh, so one can't do it all of the time. So I, I think what people would say to uh, us about that or say to such a person is, um, yeah, we're human, we're material, we, have, we need to do things like that, but we can't let it be our lives. So what neither the corporate CEO nor the plumber, what they really need, what they really need to avoid is thinking that that job is their whole life, right? So maybe I need to do something that's just really unleisurely to earn a living, but that's not my real life. That's something I do, again, for the sake of leisure. Um, and so <clears throat> I think people would counsel such a person to make sure that when they don't have to be doing those things and 
how much time there will be outside of that will depend on the person um, and the job, but make sure they make time for leisure. Um, but not yeah, we can't all have that leisure all of the time. That doesn't seem humanly possible. I was talking to a friend recently, and uh, she used to work for a big five accounting firm and right out of college, and they worked people like that like crazy. Mm -hmm. And she said that she had a conversation with her supervisor, and she had the opportunity to say to her supervisor, you are not your work. Right. And she said that came as something of, of a surprise to the woman. Yes, I, I, I think that's right. Uh, the, the, the sort of work-a-day, work-work-work culture that Peeper is decrying in this book uh, really is one that makes it hard for people to see that they are anything other than the cog in the machine, mm -hmm. right? And, and that, that really is something people need to be brought to see, especially people in our contemporary culture. Um, uh, one, maybe by way of analogy, um, in various... Uh, various places during the spring of 2020 with the COVID lockdowns. Uh, one interesting thing that I observed about that was that you had people who were stuck at home because of these lockdowns and they had no idea what to do with themselves. That is the idea of what, what, what would I do? What sorts of things would I do if I could not or would, did not have to go out and do my day-to-day -day things? What would I do? And that, that was something a lot of people seemingly just didn't know what to do with it. Um, and while I'm not, I would, I would not defend the COVID lockdowns, I do think that that phenomenon shows us that we've kind of, we don't grasp well sense of real leisure. We should uh, be able to, I think, to find things to do with our time if we couldn't do the go out and socialize or go and do a day job. So I think that that sort of listlessness, that how quickly cabin fever develops in those situations is, is, is one symptom of a cultural malaise that Pete was describing. Well, and also, uh, I'm a bit older than you, and I, I know lots of people who are retired. And some of them do very well retired, and some of them have terrible problems being retired. Yeah, I, I, I think I've observed that as well. I, have, I often criticize uh, politicians on similar grounds, and I think... Well, why, why does someone want to spend their golden years the rest in, in that kind of hectic, high psychological pressure situation when they, they have plenty of money, they could do whatever they want, spend time with family or whatnot, but they seem, they seem to have no conception of leisure. Um, so we've really lost that. Mm -hmm. and all it is is hectic work. Pieper writes, leisure appears <clears throat> in its character as an attitude of contemplative celebration. A word that properly understood goes to the very heart of leisure. And then he links celebration to the mass and to worship of God. What, what are we to make of that? Yeah, so I, I think there are a couple of things going on there. Um, I would observe first that in mentioning celebration, he's getting at that, that, that idea I mentioned earlier that we're sort of intrinsically social and that the goodness that we contemplate in our contemplative leisure is going to be something we want to share with others. Just as one does in a celebration, it's, it's kind of pathetic to have a celebration by yourself, right? Um, it's comic in a sense. Uh, so there's that, that he's getting at the social aspect. But also when we do that, contemplate ourselves, our nature as human beings, our place in creation as a whole, um, I think people has in mind that one thing, eventually what we need to see there is that that whole is a creation, right? That, that way of looking at the world helps open us up to seeing that this is something someone has made, 
right? Um, and so it's, it has a sort of inherently religious direction in the sense that this kind of contemplation will uh, push us towards seeing our, in a kind of spiritual way, our relationship to God, the maker of these things. Um, and uh, he's Catholic, and he sees that the Mass is, is some way the highest form of worship, so that's where he's aiming. I would, uh, I would be hesitant to say it has to be that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say <laughs> you can't have leisure unless you're at Mass or something like that. That seems a kind of, uh, a kind of reductionism. In fact, the basic ideas that Pieper is giving in this book, um, in some ways, are pre-religious. He draws upon Aristotle, for example, who didn't have any divine revelation to work with, and Aristotle makes similar observations that um, he says we work in order to have leisure. He also sees leisure as being contemplative, ordered to, he says, making ourselves as divine as we can be. So Aristotle, too, a pagan, sees the connection between contemplation and somehow pointing us towards divinity. He just doesn't see sort of the culmination of that that people does as a Catholic. Now, we've already touched on this a little bit, but... As near as I can tell, we, like Pieper, live in a culture of total work. How does Pieper speak to us today? Well, I think that in a way that various pieces of what we've said already sort of touch on that. But um, some of our examples with the corporate CEO uh, start to get at that, that we really do envision ourselves as sort of economic entities, right? Cogs in a machine. And uh, or, worse, I think, or worse than that, consumers. <laughs> yes, or something bad, right? Um, and our culture puts that into us. We need to be trained out of it. And that, I guess I'd say that kind of points to the importance of what we're doing here at Wyoming Catholic. Like liberal education is about education, not for the sake of getting a job. Well, it may help you do that. I wouldn't deny that. Um, but that's not, the more, that's not the more important thing that it's for. And so I think this idea of... Is promoting the liberal arts and the good of liberal learning is a really important thing for our culture because we are so steeped in it. Leisure, wrote Pieper, quote, cannot be achieved at all when it is sought as a means to an end, even though that end may be the salvation of Western civilization. Celebration of God in worship cannot be done unless it is done for its own sake. That most subtle form of affirmation of the world as a whole is the fountainhead of leisure, close quote. Leisure, the basis of culture, is the reading for all school seminar every four years, giving every student at Wyoming Catholic College the opportunity to read and grapple with the text. Each time I read it, my appreciation for Pieper's words deepen. If you've never read Leisure Basis of Culture, let me commend it to you as an individual, or better yet, as a member of a small group of some sort, perhaps one created simply to read Peeper together. It will, no doubt, leave you scratching your head over some things, but it will also, I'm convinced, lead you to a greater understanding of the culture we live in, to a greater peace, and to greater worship. For Wyoming Catholic College, this is Dr. Jim Tonkowicz.